Welcome to Crush Medical Debt, Medical Bills Uncovered, America's first medical money-saving show dedicated to protecting you from becoming a victim of the nation's number one cause of debt, stress, and bankruptcy. Medical Bills, physician and medical billing insider Dr. Virgie Bright-Ellington shares her expert secrets made easy and gives you practical tools for affordable medical bills. Everything you need so you can pay off medical bills fast. Join us on this mission to crush medical debt, because when knowledge is power, saving you time and money, health is wealth. Today, we're talking about the moral of the story. So in my book, What Your Doctor Wants You to Know to Crush Medical Debt, each section, each chapter is a story. And I talk about the story and how it illustrates and teaches us what we need to know about not getting it taken advantage of by the U.S. healthcare system and not being a cost victim of the U.S. healthcare system or being a victim of the U.S. of any U.S. medical predatory billing. And so we decided, you know what, let's continue these stories so today I'm really, really excited and I'm really grateful to be joined by Julie G. Julie G is going to share her story with us and her lifelong journey through the U.S. healthcare system and the struggles with navigating it. And she actually has some great stories to share from her perspective that we can all learn from. And I have to say I'm super grateful for her because on her birthday today, she's gifting us. She's giving us us a gift of her stories and her success and ups and downs and ultimate success from lifelong learning how to deal with the U.S. medical care system. So thank you, Julie G, for joining us. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me. So Julie, can you tell us what was your first memory of interacting with healthcare and medical care as a, as a kid? Can you tell us your, your story of what happened with your family of origin and interacting with the medical care system in this country? Well, um, so I was, I grew up in a little town in East Texas and, um, and, and my, my dad was a contractor. And at the time when I was little, my mom was a stay at home mom. So as a construction contractor, they, he didn't have employer insurance or anything. But I remember when my youngest brother was born, he was born with a bad heart a condition and had to have his first heart surgery uh, before he even left the hospital when he was born. And so that heart thing destroyed my parents. You know, it destroyed their marriage. They, they fought about that medical debt and my brother's health condition and everything for, for my whole life. I can, I can just, you know, my whole life. I remember that. I remember that being the constant, you know, stress, you know, my dad wanted to build his own house and wasn't able to because of the medical debt and everything. And of course, that was before a chip or, you know, anything like that. So, and Julie chip is chip is it was passed during the Bush administration and it was, and it, 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 it was to cover people to cover children, it was children's health insurance program. Right. And the different states implement it in, and in Texas. Now they didn't have it until my son was little. That's how I learned about it. Um, CHIP is the children's health insurance program. So yeah. health insurance for children whose parents may not qualify for Medicaid, but even if the parents don't qualify, quite qualify, their income is not quite low enough, the children qualify, the minors are covered yeah. by chip so you're 400 percent of the federal poverty level when like right. medicaid only covers up to you know 150 or whatever so there's that gap that chip covers for children if yeah, the parents children. are above that 150 percent poverty level 
mark. But they didn't have that when my brother was little. So that right. was my first, you know, remember memory of the healthcare system. And then uh, when I was a kid, I only remember going to the hospital one time. And that was uh, when I had Rocky Mountain fever from a tick. And that was my only time I ever, you know, my only hospital experience as a kid. So then when I became an adult, um, you know, I, I married young and, and had a had a son young. And then, of course, my son um, had a very bad case of rickets. And uh, metabolic rickets called hypophosphemic rickets. He didn't, um, his bones didn't absorb calcium and phosphorus for like, like they were supposed to. And so I used to have to drive him from East Texas to Shreveport, Louisiana to go to Shriners Hospital. So, and what happens was, when you have rickets and you don't have the correct absorption of calcium and the, the metabolic calcium and, and phosphorus system is out of whack? the bones do not develop normally. Exactly. And yeah. so you had to take your son to the nearest hospital, children's hospital, which was the Shriners Hospital in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, that wasn't the nearest, but that was the nearest I could get care for him because this was right before Chip passed. And, okay. Uh, and of course, you know, I was working, I was making too much to have him on Medicaid, but not enough. And I didn't even have, my employer at that time didn't even offer insurance. So, I mean, like literally driving, you know, to the next state was the only option at the time. And then a couple of years later, they passed CHIP and I was around three or four hundred percent of the federal poverty level. So I was able to get him on that. Of course, I was still not covered. So whenever I got a really bad uh, urinary tract infection, um, they kept prescribing CEPRO and I didn't have a way to get it. So I would drive to Mexico to get my medication, just to get my antibiotics. So basic know. antibiotics, ciprofloxacin <laughs> or cipro <laughs> for short, you were not able to afford in in the state of Texas, in the United States, in the state that you were living, you could not afford basic antibiotics for a routine bladder infection, urinary tract infection. Is that correct, Julie? That's correct. So I, you know, would go to Mexico and get my medicine and, uh, and of course, you know, I'd have to skip any labs or anything because, you know, out of pocket, it was, you know, I would barely pay for the medical visit and then I would struggle to get, you know, whatever medicine field. And that was basic. Eventually the problem went away. So, you know, I kind of got lucky. Well, fast forward into the year 2000, I had a, a second child and this time it was a daughter. And for some reason, uh, when girls have rickets, they don't have it as bad as boys. So, but uh, now I had the medical cost of, you know, two kids with problems. And um, of course, living in Austin was a lot better because then I had access to doctors and I didn't have to drive to Louisiana or anywhere anymore because uh, Austin has great doctors, Austin, Texas. And so I was able to find him an endocrinologist and an orthopedic surgeon and everything and get him set up with, you know, regular care. And then at that time, I was on the uh, employer insurance. And so the employer insurance was, you know, because at that time, then I had made it to where, you know, I made too much for, you know, CHIP or Medicaid or anything like that. And I had the whole family on employer insurance. Well, the problem with the employer insurance was I was in what's called the family gap. And I think Biden just recently addressed that. But Can you explain the, what that is, Julie, the family gap that the administration just was able to abolish, uh, I think, last month or a yeah, couple months ago? After yeah. they passed the law. It's too late for me. But <laughs> yeah, so the family gap was, you know, under the Affordable Care Act, if your employer offered health insurance, you were required to buy it if the premiums for the employee only, not the family, was considered affordable. So the family plan could be as unaffordable as possible, and yet you were still obliged to buy into the plan. And so my kid, I was paying a lot of money, you know, um, which was the reason I couldn't buy a house. And now I'm suffering from that, you know, not being able to uh, purchase a house during that time. 
when I was making good money, because even though I was making good money, all of my money was going, you know, to insurance. And, and to medical to care, to health yeah. insurance premiums and medical care expenses. So, yeah, so I was, un- so even though I had great, 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 what people would consider Cadillac insurance for my employer, I was underinsured because the, you know, the plans, when they're picked out by an employer, they pick out what's good for all the executives, not what's good for their workers. And so anytime I'd go to use it, uh, you know, e- either like my son's medicine was considered an orphan medicine where um, the, the his medicine wasn't covered by the insurance. Or anything. And, uh, and just, you know, the problems associated with being underinsured, you know, he would need procedures that I couldn't afford to get done. And so I called, um, you know, the local teaching hospital at the time, the children's hospital in town, and, uh, you know, was asking them about, you know, help with, you know, the copay for my fancy insurance. And they misinformed me. I only recently found out I was misinformed. They told me that financial assistance wasn't available to people with insurance. So, Julie, just to to clarify, Julie, can you clarify this? Am I understanding correctly that you went to your local nonprofit, meaning tax-exempt healthcare facility, hospital, Mm -hmm. medical center, and asked for their income-based discount policy, which is a fancy name for saying they have different names for it, financial aid, financial assistance, charity care. And they said, they told you that you don't qualify to apply and you don't qualify for the, their sliding scale income-based discount because you have insurance. Is that what you were told? Yes, that is what I was told. So then, you know, uh, then I was on a quest to not have insurance after that point because I was underinsured. You know, the stuff I needed done wasn't covered or it was, you know, the deductible was so high. And anyway, it was just wasn't work. When you have a rare illness of any kind and you take any kind of orphan drugs or there's anything outside the ordinary, the healthcare system is just extremely, extremely difficult to navigate. Yes. So orphan drugs is drugs that are for treatment of very, very rare disorders and diseases. And so because it's so not profitable, basically, it's not very profitable for pharmaceutical companies to develop and make and sell these drugs. So that's why they're called orphan drugs, because no one basically, the pharmaceutical companies basically abandon them. They're not something that they want to groom and support people being able to take. They're very expensive because the expense in developing these drugs, you know, there's expense that's not spread across a bunch of patients. It's just a very few patients. So it's very expensive and there's not a lot of motivation, let's say there's no carrot (laughs) for the pharmaceutical insurance companies to develop these drugs and make them accessible for people with these very, very rare disorders, because it's not very profitable for them just to cut to the chase. So that's what an orphan drug is. So say that again, Julie. I was saying, I was going to say, it's just like the problem with um, creating vaccines. You know, when you have a for-profit system and everything's for-profit, then things we really need, like vaccine and orphan drugs, you know, they're they're harder to, you know, for the companies to find profitable to make. And then insurance companies don't want to cover them if you need them. <laughs> right, because they're so expensive. They're mm-hmm. really, really expensive. And so the insurance companies don't want to fork out the huge expense that cuts into their profits for these drugs. And so you're saying, Julie, you just found out very recently that you were misinformed. You were deliberately misinformed by a nonprofit facility. And folks that 
have been listening to me in health, wellness, and medical bills, I talk about this all the time. I don't call them nonprofit anymore because the quote unquote nonprofit are really focused on, too many of them are so focused on creating net revenues, maximizing their net revenues, that the things that they do to do that are highly egregious, if not more egregious than what many for-profit facilities do in terms of going after patients and suing them, garnishing their wages for not being able to pay and not offering any income-based discount. But by law, by federal law, in exchange for tax-exempt status, nonprofits are supposed to provide income-based discounts basically sliding scale discounts based on your income and the amount of the bills to those in the community in which they operate. And I'm really, really horrified. And we're here, I hear really horrific stories about the things that tax exempt facilities are doing to folks. And Julie, you sharing this story that you were deliberately misinformed that income-based discounts is not related to insurance status, folks. It's related to income by federal law for uh, uh, nonprofit slash tax-exempt facilities. Mm -hmm. So that's a big more of a story that I want to point out. And Julie, I'm glad that you were able to find out that this is the case that when you're at a tax exempt slash nonprofit facility that they are supposed to by law offer charity care, financial assistance or financial aid. They come by other names, but they're you're to be given an application for sliding scale income based, not insurance based, income based discounts. And I'm sorry that you said you found that out too late. And thank you for sharing that story, your your story. That's just one of the many moral of the stories from your journey in your life, lifelong journey through the U.S. healthcare system. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. It's time for... Cousin Richie Jr.'s joke of the week. And I have a couple of good ones for you this week. <laughs> I'm already I'm already cracking myself up. Okay. What kind of music do chiropractors like? Hip hop. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Just one more. If two vegans get in a serious, serious disagreement, is it still considered a beef? <laughs> All right. If you have a Cousin Richie Jr. joke of the week you'd like to have us share, please send them to david at crushmedicaldebt.com. If you're enjoying the show and you've learned something or found something to be helpful, let us know. If you're listening on Apple, hit five stars and leave a review. Even if it's just a few words, it will help others know what you found particularly useful. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button below and give us feedback. Let us know what you think and what you found valuable. When you share your feedback, you're doing a lot to help others. So you finally had to see a doctor for that problem or question that's been bothering you. You had no choice. Now what? Are you prepared for that big expensive bill you're going to get? Without the right information, you're going to lose your savings and possibly even go bankrupt. Please don't wait until that happens. Don't get crushed by medical bills. 
go to crushmedicaldebt.com backslash checklist to find out how three simple steps saves you money and maybe your financial life. Crush Medical Debt is proud to be a supporting partner of Single Care. In my research, Single Care's free drug discount card saves us the most money on our prescription medications, even compared to insurance. You know, I say this a lot. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up. (laughs) That's where I found it. I found it in verywellhealth.com, healthline.com, and helpadvisor.com. Single Care, which is available to all residents of the United States over the age of 13 for free, is a prescription savings card giving you up to 80% in discounts without having to share any personal information. And unlike other more well-known free prescription discount cards, you don't have to pay for a membership for extra discounts, and it's been cited as best for future savings compared to all free prescription discount cards. What makes Single Care unique is its bonus savings program. When you register for it, you earn money towards future prescriptions. And the program even offers around $5 in savings just for signing up. And since 2014, Single Care free prescription discount card has saved users over $1 billion. And unlike more well known free prescription discount cards, Single Care has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. To use this free prescription discount program, all you have to do is go to singlecare.com. If you're looking for a specific prescription, just search that prescription and choose a participating pharmacy and download your free savings card. Or... To download your free savings card fast to use at any participating pharmacy, including CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, and Kroger, just go to crushmedicaldebt.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Crush Medical Debt, Medical Bills Uncovered. So you were saying that you were, you hit the family gap mm-hmm. and you decided, you know what, and you were misinformed, you were told by a nonprofit, a tax exempt facility that because you had insurance, that you did not qualify for an income based discount, you didn't qualify for their financial aid slash financial assistance slash charity care application Mm -hmm. that you decided, you know what, maybe I'm better off not having any insurance. And can you tell us about your journey after that time when you said, you know what, I'm just, I'm between a rock and a hard place. What what happened after that? So when I was underinsured before the uh, affordable care app, they had a million dollar policy on, on how much, you know, insurance that the insurance would pay out. So, so apologies, after- Julie, can you say that again? So you had an, you worked for an employer that offered insurance, uh-huh. but it had a lifetime maximum $1 million payout. So once the insurance paid out $1 million in care mm-hmm. for medical services that they no longer covered you. Is that correct? Yes, that is okay. correct. So okay. the Affordable Care Act fixed that, but at the time I was about to reach the million dollar mark because one of my sur- son's surgeries alone was 650000 So you can see how easy medical bills turn into a million dollars. Well, so the Affordable Care Act came around and it solved that problem. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I can save my career now because you can see I was seeing the end of my career with this. But then uh, I ended up getting laid off anyway. Uh, surprise, surprise. You know, you can only miss so many times, of, you know, um, with medical treatment or anything. You know, any absenteeism is bad. 
even if you got so you had to take off a lot of time from work to take care of your son and get your son care his surgeries he had extensive and many surgeries and so you had to take off a lot of time from work for that Mm -hmm. and then basically they were like and you know what we're gonna just let you go maybe you just need to stay home yeah essentially yeah, so they eventually they sold the company and the bean counters came in and, and got rid of the people that were costing them a lot of money, the people near retirement, the sure, moms, uh, you know, they really kind of, you know, got rid of all of us troublemakers, all of us high cost people. That's right. So then, so then I thought, oh, well, thank God I don't have, you know, that expensive ass insurance that doesn't cover anything anyway. So I was kind of happy and relieved. But then I went on healthcare.gov to buy insurance, you know, after I was laid off. And since I was laid off, you know, I I was between income. And uh, when I went to healthcare.gov, since I live in Texas, it said that I did not make enough money to buy a insurance policy. So now I was in what's called the Medicaid gap. If you live in one of the states that didn't expand Medicaid with the Affordable Care Act and you're like a hundred percent, 130% of the federal poverty level and under, I think, then you fall in the Medicaid gap. So now here I was, you know, I couldn't get insurance at all, not even through the affordable care program because I lived in one of these states. And so then, uh, so then when I was in the Medicaid gap, I was like, well, what do I do next? So then I discovered the community health care centers which I started going to for my primary care. And uh, and that was great until something big happened. And then something big happening was uh, I developed a spinal stenosis and I lost my ability to walk and uh, the severe pain and everything. And uh, anyway, and I couldn't get they wouldn't refer me to a specialist, the community care. You know, they're great at primary, but if anything big happens, you're, you're in big trouble. So it took me five months to get a referral. Well, that fifth month, when I was just weeks away from my visit to the neurologist, I lost control of my bladder and ended up in emergency surgery in a, a, a teaching facility, nonprofit hospital. And so... Now I can walk again. <laughs> so but, you had uh, surgery. You went in, you ended up in the emergency room, the emergency yeah. department of a nonprofit academic teaching facility, medical center, and you were taken to surgery. You had surgery to address the spinal stenosis to be able to give you the ability to control everything from waist down, basically yeah. the ability to walk and to control bowel and bladder. Yes, and it was just terrifying because for five months, it was like my primary daughter was just watching me deteriorate. And I was like, what's the holdup? And they're like, oh, well, we can't get the referral. You know, the charity system didn't want to pay for an MRI because it was super expensive. So instead, they paid for a $100,000 surgery, like four or five MRIs and CAT scans. Exactly, exactly. How's it go? Pennywise, pound foolish. Yes, yes. And in the That's meantime, not, not only are you deteriorating, but the pain is excruciating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the pain's just unbearable. So now, post-surgery, I um, I can walk now and everything, but I still have excruciating. So where I had the laminectomy was in my thorax region of my back. But all in my, so that was causing the loss of, uh, you know, falling and the weakness and everything going bad from the waist down. But all of my pain was coming from my lumbar area. Mm-hmm. And that's still pretty much unfixed because uh, I just can't take any more time off. So I just have to live in excruciating chronic pain every day. Um, I mean, it's worse on some days. Uh, basically, after about, you know, five hours of standing, I'm, I just, I can't bend or anything. I'm just basically walking like a turtle and uh, I just can't wait to sit down. So there I am now. And uh, now I consider myself not only in the Medicaid gap, but now I consider myself in the Texas death gap. Now that's kind of a word I made up because when you live 
because you know when you're over 50 but you're not old enough for medicare at 65 then there's a lot of um people that that are in a gap where they can't get insurance because they're at an age where they're too expensive for employers to insure i mean employers would never admit it but you know look at the least the recent tech layoff, 80% of them were people who worked there for 11 years or more and uh, and were U.S.-based where employers have to pay for the insurance for their employees. You know, mm-hmm. they're the people that all got laid off. And so, exactly. I mean, people don't admit it, but there's, you know, a huge, you know, gap of, of people that, you know, the they're just too expensive for the employers to insure. And, and some employers are better than others. They're not all bad, but there are huge, you know, just look at the layoffs and look at the numbers. You know, there's just a lot of people and, uh, you know, that between 50 and 65, I call it the death gap because, you know, you're waiting, <laughs> seeing if you're going to live long enough to get Medicare one day. Right, right. So that's kind of where I'm at now is I went from being, uh, having great insurance, but still underinsured to now being in the Medicaid and Texas death gap. <laughs> yes. And you said that, I have to say, I really love that phrase because you really describe it perfectly, the death gap over the age of 50, once you hit 50, but still not old enough to be able to qualify for Medicare at 65. So that gap between ages 50 and 64, you're not someone that is going to be attractive to an employer because you're going to cost them more from years of experience. And even if not, just the Mm -hmm. fact that they offer insurance, you're going to be a huge pull on their insurance costs, their benefit plan costs, the cost to insure. You shouldn't have to cover insurance. It should be separate. But, you know, that's another... That's the U.S. healthcare system. That's the U.S. healthcare system. It's just crazy that you're, you're... your insurance is tied to your employer. It's just exactly. You know, We're the only industrialized country that's where crazy. that's the case. That more than half of folks living in the United States de- are dependent on getting our health insurance through an employer, and it's breaking the employers. It's breaking yes. the companies. Yes, it's just yeah. yeah it's just so it's so unfair. And then then the bean counters come in and buy up these big companies and all of a sudden, you know, everybody who's been there more than 10 years gets laid off with their USA. Today's episode is brought to you by Crushing Cancer, a patient's complete guide to Managing a Cancer Diagnosis by Carrie Forrestal, MD. Dr. Forrestal is a friend of mine who came to my attention when we were working on some, I think we were on a PR summit together. And he came to my attention because he really wrote what's called people say is the Bible for if you get a cancer diagnosis. And what got my attention is that there are things that I learned about managing the financial impact of cancer and cancer care that I didn't know. And, you know, I'm, I am the (laughs) medical bill expert, right? So the medical financial expert. And so I was pleasantly surprised when there were some things that I found out about protecting your finances when you get a cancer diagnosis. So you come out on the other side and not just cancer-free, but financially free, medical debt-free. So I can't recommend this book highly enough. Dr. Forrestal really hit it right on the head. Crushing Cancer, A Patient's Complete Guide to Managing a Cancer Diagnosis, by Carrie Forrestal, MD. You can find it any place where you buy your books online. And if you go to your favorite corner store, bookstore rather, and it's not on the shelf, just order it. They'll order it for you and have it shipped to the store at no additional cost. So you finally had to see a doctor for that problem or question that's been bothering you. You had no choice. 
Now what? Are you prepared for that big expensive bill you're going to get? Without the right information, you're going to lose your savings and possibly even go bankrupt. Please don't wait until that happens. Don't get crushed by medical bills. Go to crushmedicaldebt.com backslash checklist to find out how three simple steps saves you money and maybe your financial life. Crush Medical Debt is proud to be a supporting partner of single care. In my research, Single Care's free drug discount card saves us the most money on our prescription medications, even compared to insurance. You know, I say this a lot. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up. <laughs> That's where I found it. I found it in verywellhealth.com, healthline.com, and helpadvisor.com. Single Care which is available to all residents of the United States over the age of 13 for free, is a prescription savings card giving you up to 80% in discounts without having to share any personal information. And unlike other more well-known free prescription discount cards, you don't have to pay for a membership for extra discounts and it's been cited as best for future savings compared to all free prescription discount cards. What makes Single Care unique is its bonus savings program. When you register for it, you earn money towards future prescriptions. And the program even offers around $5 in savings just for signing up. And since 2014, Single Care free prescription discount card has saved users over $1 billion. And Unlike more well-known free prescription discount cards, Single Care has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. To use this free prescription discount program, all you have to do is go to singlecare.com. If you're looking for a specific prescription, just search that prescription and choose a participating pharmacy and download your free savings card. Or to download your free savings card fast to use at any participating pharmacy, including CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, and Kroger, just go to crushmedicaldebt.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Crush Medical Debt, Medical Bills Uncovered. So, Julie, I want to talk about something. You shared that you were tricked by a nonprofit facility and told that because you have insurance that you could not apply or qualify for, that you did not qualify for, financial aid or financial assistance or their charity care, whatever they call their income-based discount program. And then you started telling me about another time that you were tricked by a medical care facility. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, sure. So whenever I had my spinal lemonectomy, um, you know, it was like a, <clears throat> I think it was almost a 10, uh, no, it was a five-day stay in the hospital. But uh, I remember when I got the bill, it wasn't, it was just a summary of charges. It was the bizarrest thing. It would have one line that would say, uh, you know, pharmacy, and it would have $1,600, radiology, $400. Anyway, it was, so since, you know, the bill was, you know, ended up paid for by the charity, I didn't have a re, I didn't have the motivation to go in and look up C. PT codes, but just looking at their summary bill, it was so obviously padded. <laughs> there were like double the number of, well, maybe not double, but several more providers than I actually saw that were char- were saying that they saw me. Like they had a, so the only physical therapy I had was I had a couple of ladies come into my room 
and make sure that I could get myself in and out of bed and, you know, get into the walker and do basic things, you know, make sure I didn't need to go to a nursing home or anything. But on the bill, it had like four different providers and said I had occupational therapy and stuff. And I was like, that never happened. But like I said, I didn't even look at the details, but it was just so obviously padded, you know, the number of providers and all of the vague stuff. And anyway, it was just the most ridiculous thing I saw. I should find it in Melody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just crazy. And I talk about this all the time. You know, I say, if you just do the first step, just give me the first step, please do the first step. Step one, just call and ask for something, quote, something with CPT codes, unquote, because in my experience, that takes care of, that just wipes away, I would say about 80% of the foolishness that, (laughs) you know, that, that happens, the, the crazy tricks of just, let's call it what it is. They're just trying to trick you. And I, I say this a lot, you know, I say, whatever that number is, it's usually in the upper right-hand corner of something that they say they claim is a bill. Mm-hmm. And that number in the upper right-hand number, if it doesn't have a CPT code for each of the services that you received on that document, that's just a wish list because yeah. they're wishing and hoping and praying that you'll fall for it, right? Wow. That you'll think that you actually owe it. And it's just like you said, a summary bill. It has nothing to do with any. It's just like made up wishes. You know, and I talk about this. We were talking earlier, Julie, and I said, you know, you said they had one line for pharmacy, another line for radiology. And I said, you know, what if we did this and we went to the grocery store, right? If Mm -hmm. we, any other industry, there's no way. Let's say, oh my gosh, I'm making chili for dinner tonight and I didn't realize I'm out of onions and bell peppers and let me run to the store right quick. So you go to the grocery store and you go in, there are no prices anywhere, but you're like, you know, I know I can afford a couple of onions, a couple of bell peppers. And you know what, while I'm here, I should pick up, you know, some, I could use some, let's say some vegetable oil or some avocado oil or something like that. I need some olive oil and you just go grab it. Still, there are no prices on any of these oils. And, you know, these precious oils, avocado oil, olive oil, these are pretty expensive. But you're like, you know what? I just got paid. I have cash on me. I'm good. You know, I won't worry about the price. So you pay it. Yeah, it's a little bit more than you thought it was going to be. Okay. And you leave and you look down at your invoice, Mm -hmm. your receipt, and it says produce. $35. (laughs) Regular groceries, $15. Yeah. What? What did you buy? Same thing with medical care, right? We don't know the prices usually when we go in, unless we do the three steps ahead of time and say, okay, I have to have this surgery, this back surgery, this knee surgery, this hip surgery. Let me call the surgeon's office and find what... CPT code they're going to bill for my procedure so I can find out how much they're going to charge for it and how much, if I have insurance, my insurance, if any, will cover it. So going into a grocery store, not knowing the prices, going into the <laughs> into medical care, your medical care, not knowing the prices, okay, and you know, emergencies happen, right? So we can't expect to know what's going to cost if we have an emergency. You had your emergency surgery, right, Julie? You didn't know how, how what, you weren't expecting that, right? So you come out and you get a bill for that emergency surgery you had. You come out and you've got your bill for the grocery store, that emergent, that urgent last minute grocery store trip you were not planning on making. And you have the summary bill that just has general categories, pharmacy, yeah. <laughs> radiology, produce, dairy, right? Wait, what? (laughs) We would go nuts, right? We would just, we would just, we would accuse the industry and or the retailer that did that of fraud, right? Of trickery and fraud and all that. So those are, that's a great, great point that you bring up. And thank you again for sharing your stories, because this is why I talk about these things ad nauseum on my soapbox and talking about the same issues 
over and over and over because without this information, this basic medical financial literacy that the system plans or counts rather on 99.9% of us living in this country of, of not having, they don't, they know that we don't know this stuff, that we don't know our rights. Right. Period. And, and that's used against us. So thank you mm-hmm. for sharing the stories. And unfortunately this happens all day, every day. This is how, this is how they get down there. It, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. This is the way the system works. And, no more. We don't have to put up with it. We can be empowered. We can empower ourselves with knowledge, with basic medical financial literacy. The three steps are the only right way to pay a medical bill and our rights, right? Our right as someone who uses a nonprofit facility and our rights as the, as covered by HIPAA, the people think of it as the Privacy Act, but it really actually the P in HIPAA stands for portability. It means that every bit of information that has to do with your medical care, your health care, any services, any medical or dental provider provided for you, you own. And that means that if they generate any financial information about it, whether it goes to an insurance company or not, you own that. So they can't tell you when you call and ask for a real bill, they can't say the provider's billing department, the facility's billing department cannot say legally, we can't give you that information. Well, yes, they can, and they have to. It's a federal law, and they're violating your civil rights Mm -hmm. if they don't. Then there's a process for reporting them if they do not give you a real bill with CPT codes the same way they give it to the insurance company. So, that's a, another way of, of tricking us folks that don't live in the United States that have to interact with the medical care system. Most of us don't know that there are many facilities that will send a different bill depending on who is paying. So if they know you have insurance and they know your insurance, an insurance company is paying, they will send the insurance company a different bill than what they'll send you if you were paying cash. So they will send the insurance company always a bill or a statement, an invoice with, or a claim, which is a fancy name of the bill that a provider sends the insurance company. They'll send a claim with CPT codes because that's the only way the insurance company knows what and how to pay, right? They don't know what they're paying for. Then why do they eight to nine facilities out of 10 why do they send a patient, and especially if they're paying out of pocket, why do they send them, why do they bother to generate something with no CPT codes, something without CPT codes? Why? Why? Because it works. Because it works. Yeah, you know, I always say, if you have to ask why, follow the money. Why do they send patients eight to nine facilities? In my experience in doing this work, eight to nine facilities out of 10 will send a patient something with no CPT codes, basically a summary bill. Why? Because it works. We fall for that fantasy wishful number that they're hoping that we'll think is a real bill with that summary bill that summary invoice, that summary statement. And I think we were talking earlier, Julie, he also said, well, um, they send sometimes a detailed bill. Well, no, or an itemized, a love itemized bill. Uh, No, it can be itemized and still not have a CPT code on it. (laughs) It 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 does not have a CPT code for each services you service that you've been provided. It's not a real bill. I don't care if they call it itemized. I don't care if they call it detailed. I don't call, they say, hey, we'll give you all of our service codes. If it doesn't say CPT with five digits for each of the medical services they're charging you, it is not a real bill. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for sharing the stories. These just, this is why I do what I do, Julie. We get up all day, every day, and this is what happens we're routinely tricked into thinking that, oh my gosh, 
this nonprofit facility, oh gosh, because I have insurance, I don't qualify for their financial aid program. Uh, no, that's a frank, flat out, ball faced lie. And <laughs> a summary bill or an itemized bill, anything that does not have CPT codes is not a real bill. So thank you for sharing that, Julie. Moral of the stories. <laughs> Moral of these stories. Yeah. Every Everybody who gets their care at a nonprofit facility is qualified to apply for, by law, qualify to apply just by virtue of having your care there, always apply for their financial aid program. Every nonprofit facility has one. And two, the second moral of the story, always, always, always ask <laughs> for a real bill. Apply the three steps of the only one right way to pay a medical bill, the only right way to pay a medical bill, no matter how big or small, to every single bill you get, just to cut out that foolishness of them just sending those fantasy numbers, a padded summary bill, right, Julie? Right. Very sad. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Julie. All right. Have a great day. You have an awesome one. Thank you for joining us on this mission to crush medical debt. Now go to crushmedicaldebt.com to learn how to save the most money on your medical expenses, where you can download America's number one free prescription discount card. And join the hundreds of CMD Nation community members who have saved thousands. 